Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey there, soulmates. Plenty to chat about on this Thursday. Thanks so much for being a part of the conversation. We want to welcome you to Fox Soul's Black Report. We're following the latest in the settlement being awarded to demo, uh, demonstrators for the 2020 George Floyd protests and the future of Foot Locker could be in trouble. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm Nicole Lai Corte, plus the push to make sure no black mm. child is hungry in America and the teacher who's using boondocks to help teach. They're the stories that impact our people. We're going to bring you our news, our views, and our voice. So let's get into our top conversation of the day. The North Carolina House has passed a proposal that bans public school teachers from making students feel guilty or responsible for past actions of people of the same race or sex. Now, Democrats oppose the bill, which limits how certain racial topics are discussed in schools. The proposal requires schools to give the Department of Public Instruction at least a month's notice before hosting a diversity trainer or a speaker with a history of advocating beliefs restricted by the legislation. Now, similar proposals are being considered in 10 other states. You know, I'm with the North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper on this, who says simply, don't make teachers rewrite history. Mm -hmm. And this is what we're seeing, not just in North Carolina, but in, country, in, in, in states across the country. And, you know, we've got to take this seriously. You know, uh, they are one vote away from being able to override a governor's veto. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, this is a law that could potentially uh, take effect if Republicans are able to gain one more seat in the legislature. Yeah, you know, listen, it's, it's to me, it all boils down to critical uh, race theory. And they're talking about how these bills would, uh, you know, reduce uh, discrimination. You know, I think that's a matter of what side of the aisle uh, you sit on. I don't understand how suppressing uh, racial talks and what has really happened in this country, how that reduces discrimi discrimination. I mean, you can't walk around here ignorant. And, uh, you know, when you expose people to the truth, the real truth, and, you know, both sides coming together, and we can figure out what the truth is. Let's just be factual about it and not in denial. And then let's give uh, young people and and the rest of, of, of society, the truth as to what really happened, and we can go from there. But trying to suppress it mm -hmm. and, and erase it um, is definitely not the answer. And it's also important to remind people that our lived experience also counts. That's you right. know, because sometimes folks say, oh, well, you know, stick to the facts, stick to the facts. Well, our lived experience mm -hmm. informs those facts. Mm -hmm. Our lived experience sheds new facts, new life. That's right. I mean, that's part of the reason why folks are so wound up about the 1619 Project, mm -hmm. you know, because it is centered black folks in the story of of the enslaved in this country and you know yeah that may make people uncomfortable you know but uh, that is a lived experience. It's a part of a lived history and oral history that still continues to play out. Change is uncomfortable. So there you go. Well, over 30,000 support staff, including custodians, bus drivers, and cafeteria workers in Los Angeles schools have initiated a three-day strike, which is backed by the district's teachers and has affected more than half a million mm. students. The Service Employees International Union, Local 99, is demanding better wages, increased staffing, and more respect. Most workers earn an average of $25,000 per year and work part-time leading uh, to staff shortages. The district's latest offer included a 23% recurring pay increase, a $20 an hour minimum wage, and full health care benefits for those working at least four, day, four hours a day. 
The strike comes after almost a year of negotiations, mm -hmm. which were unsuccessful. You know what, this, this just boils down to wanting to earn a living wage, you know, whether it's salaried, whether it's, uh, you know, part-time. And, you know, I was really reading into this. This, this uh, strike happened uh, at the top of the week after negotiation broke, broke down. But I was reading into this, and these folks enjoy their jobs. They love pouring into the young people. Um, you know, they love getting up and, and going to work every day and being a part of this school system. But they just, when they earn their check, they just can't afford to live. And so they're talking about increased wages. Uh, they're talking about continued increases, you know, throughout the years. You know, a couple of more dollars here, a couple of more dollars that. And when you really read into what they're asking for, it does not seem out of pocket, pun intended. And yeah. for them to just be able to live uh, comfortably in mm -hmm. a state like California, where we know uh, it, the cost of living is 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 unreal. Yeah, uh, it's it's a fair ask, and and I'm hoping you know folks can come together and uh, both sides can can get what they want. But what these folks are asking for is is fair. Yeah, it is fair. And there was a custodian that was uh, mentioned in the article um, that said, quotes, we're not asking for the world, That's right. but just to live above water. Mm -hmm. You know, no, nobody, nobody's trying to become, you know, uh, a millionaire custodian, yeah. right? Uh, you know, folks are just trying to be able to provide for their families and, you know, having uh, just part-time working opportunities available. It just isn't enough. To your point, in a place like California where there is a housing affordability crisis, um, among other crises. And they also ask to be respected. That's a, that's a humane issue, respected. All right, let's go to Mississippi where the state government has chosen one black lawmaker and nine white lawmakers to negotiate final versions of bills. Its aim is to provide additional police protection, but critics argue it's a way for the Republican government to exert control. Jackson has experienced over 100 homicides annually for the past three years. Now the negotiators comprising eight, comprising of eight white Republicans and one white independent, along with the one black Democrat, have a deadline of next week to finish their work. So they're gonna rush the work along. Mm -hmm. They're only gonna allow one black person to be a part of this when Jackson, Mississippi, is over 80% black. I mean, everything is wrong with this story. Everything is wrong, wrong with this. There's nothing about this that feels democratic. There's nothing about this uh, that feels like it's, it's grounded mm -hmm. in uh, best practices in public safety, uh, in law and order. Uh, this is just gonna breed you know, more distrust and more discontent. So the one black voice is Democrat Representative Earl Banks, and uh, he has been you know, the lone star fighting this fight. He won wants a safer Jackson. However, he does not necessarily agree with these bills as he has voted uh, both of them down. However, it's unfortunate uh, that uh, this is the reality that he's living in in Jackson to where, um, you know, he's that one small voice that might not make too much of a difference because of uh, how much the GOP controls that situation there. And, and it's important to remind people Black folks, we want safer communities. Nobody's saying we don't That's want safer said. communities. There have been over 100 homicides a year uh, in the area and in Jackson over the course of the last three years, right? And so, yes, we want to do something about public safety, but we also want those folks to be held accountable, right? And so expanding uh, the purview of the Capitol Police uh, and appointing, you know, this whole nother layer uh, of, of courts uh, to look over Jackson Mississippi, uh, that's not the way to go if there aren't any accountability mechanisms. And I think that's what the people in Jackson have been fighting for and will continue to fight for. Well, this rep wants to be a wants there to be a fair uh, representation, a fair part of the process of, of, you know, for us to be a part of the think tank. And I think that's what's at what's absent and what he was alluding to in, in, in what I was reading. A black couple separated from their five children for 30 days after a traffic stop in Tennessee. Hmm. Bianca Claiborne and Deontay Williams were stopped in Coffee County for tinted windows and failure to pass in the left lane. And Williams was arrested for possessing five grams of marijuana. Uh, Department uh, OG Children's, Children's Services forcefully removed their children from Claiborne while she awaited Williams' bond release. The couple's hair follicle tests were positive for methamphetamines, uh, oxidone, and fentanyl, but they dispute the usage. DCS uh, charged Claiborne and uh, Williams with grave child abuse based on their findings. Now, the state has been accused of lacking respect for black families 
and children. So these parents have been without their children for going on 30 days. Now, thankfully, they are in the care of uh, family members who live in Nashville. So they were on the road coming from Georgia, crossing into Tennessee to make their way to Chicago uh, for a funeral. And that is when they were stopped. And in Tennessee, recreational and medicinal use of marijuana is illegal. However, you know, they've clearly broken down. You know, if you get caught with this, it's usually just a small fine. And uh, you, you pay it and you keep moving. If there's something else involved, maybe a prison term of up to maybe uh, a year. But usually it's sort of kind of done with a fine misdemeanor and you move on. So, um, you know, reading into the story a little bit more, I can see how, you know, it could be looked at as a case of driving while black. Uh, I'm not disputing the fact that drugs were found on them, but the way that Tennessee normally handles situations like this, it doesn't go this far. I mean, it's really disturbing that the state of Tennessee has taken these kids into custody for 30 days, mm -hmm. right? And we're talking about a seven-year-old, a five-year-old, a three-year-old, a two-year-old, and a nursing four-month-old. So mm -hmm. where's the humanity in yeah. that? Um, how is this a part of any sort of, of training? Mm -hmm. um, you know, the facts seem uh, uh, like a mixed bag, quite mm -hmm. frankly. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's a good thing that those kids are with uh, a family relative. Uh, well, but, you got to go back and question why they were pulled over. It was because of t tinted windows and they were in the left lane and, and not using the left lane to pass by. So it's kind of like on some BS yeah, why they got like, pulled like, over like in they, the first place. They were looking for something. That's right. They were looking for something and they happened to find something. That's right. You know, and these these black kids, you know, have been caught in the crossfire. And so, yeah, and only seen their parents once within this 30 days, the dad, I believe. All right, so let's go to Philadelphia, where they are going to have to pay $9.25 million to settle lawsuits by racial justice protesters who accused police of abusing during uh, 2020 rallies following George Floyd's killing. Now, the payment will be divided amongst 343 plaintiffs who claimed physical and emotional injuries due to the police response. Philadelphia police used tear gas, pepper spray, and rubber bullets against protesters gathered on a major highway. Now, the settlement is one of the largest in the city's history and will also provide at least $500,000 to a community fund for free mental health counseling for West Philadelphia residents who have been victims of police violence. Yeah, I mean, you know, we report on these settlements, mm -hmm. you know, almost daily these mm -hmm. days, right? And, you know, good for the protesters, you know, that were the ones who experienced that harm. But I always go back to, so when does the system actually change? Mm -hmm. Because if the system just keeps paying out, you know, uh, plaintiffs time and time and time again, at what point does the city say that it is more expensive to continue allow, to allow police officers to run roughshod and to skirt uh, police uh, uh, policy mm -hmm. to skirt the law um, as opposed to holding them accountable. And so it just it feels unfair to taxpayers. We're on the hook for continuing to pay out um, as opposed to, you know, getting these police departments to do better. You know, and as much as a lot of these cities and municipalities and states cry about not having enough money, um, you would think that they would want to put a stop to the payouts that are pretty avoidable when, when you go back to the blue culture and when you go back to unlayer the issues there and really taking a look at what needs to happen, what needs to change in that culture for these payouts to sort of kind of stop or be minimized, you would think that's where they would go. But, you know, unfortunately, uh, no one has really addressed it effectively and these payouts continue to, to happen. Mm. Well, South Georgia State College student Jordan Idahosa was shot and killed during spring break in Miami's South Beach neighborhood. Miami Beach officials imposed a curfew following the shootings and police arrested both suspects. Idaho's brother, Sammy, described him as a scholar who was like his twin brother and a warrior in spirit. Reports indicate that Idaho was taking a class uh, at both Valdosta State and South Georgia State College. Our condolences to his family. Let's move to Arkansas now, where uh, they enact a law restricting transgender restroom use in public schools, joining three other states with similar restrictions. Now, the law applies to multi-person uh, restrooms and locker rooms in pre-K through 12th grade schools and comes amid a wave of bills targeting the trans community, including proposals to ban gender-affirming care from minors 
and restrict school sports and drag shows. A new bill in Arkansas proposes criminal penalties for using public restrooms with the American Civil Liberties Union criticizing it as refusing to respect the rights and humanity of transgender people. And it's important to note, Courtney, that this uh, this law, this, this proposed law in Arkansas um, is expected to allow someone to be charged with a misdemeanor, mm -hmm. sexual indecency with a child if they use a public restroom or a changing room uh, of the opposite sex when a minor is present. And so we're talking about criminalizing people mm -hmm. for uh, entering into to restrooms, entering into locker rooms that match their gender identity, right? Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I know people have a whole range uh, of, of feelings about the trans community, and a lot of people are still learning on the learning curve in terms of learning about uh, the trans experience. Mm -hmm. But to criminalize that experience is very, very, very cruel. Uh, this is happening in Arkansas and too many other states across the country. Yeah, I don't necessarily do agree with the criminalizing, but I was in Charlotte, uh, in North Carolina, when there was a big uh, debate about that some years ago. And, uh, you know, being at the forefront of that conversation, a lot of people were concerned that, okay, y you can see how you would want to be able to utilize bathrooms that match how you identify, but what about the concern of you're not matching biologically and still having the parts that would be in alignment with, you know, the opposite bathroom, if you will. And so that was a bit, huge argument. It's a huge concern. And I can understand that. Do I agree with the criminalization of it? No. But I do understand why there might be, uh, you know, a set of residents who are concerned with the, with, with the uh, transgender person not matching biologically and going into that opposite bathroom. Yeah, I mean, if you ask me, I think people sort of obsess a little bit about the, the biology part of it. Um, and that's why I say I think there's a huge learning curve here for people you know who who may not have an immersion in trans issues and other trans community but you know criminalizing people for being who they are as black folks you know we know uh, uh, how that feels um, and how that's just not right mm -hmm. uh, West Texas A&M University canceled a student-run drag show citing that it views drag as a form of performance similar to blackface the university's president, Walter Windler, explained in an email that drag shows stereotype women and discriminate against womanhood. This event was intended to raise money for the Trevor Project, a crisis intervention and suicide prevention organization for LGBTQ youth. The president suggested students donate to the nonprofit but skip the show. Members of the planning committee expressed disappointment and confusion over the decision. And to Uganda now, where uh, they have passed a new law that bans identifying as LGBTQ going beyond the country's century-old criminalization of same-sex acts. The Anti-Homosexuality Act was overwhelmingly approved by Parliament, with only two of nearly 400 representatives opposing it. Those who identify as gay or queer could face up to 20 years in prison, and advocates could also be punished. Homosexual relations are punishable by life in prison and some aggravated homosexuality can result in the death penalty. More than 30 African countries criminalize homosexuality. UN officials and the U.S. Secretary of State have criticized the legislation. The president of Uganda is expected to sign the bill into law. This is just absolutely so you think, terrible. So you, you think there's a, a big woo-ha and, and struggle and debate and fight here in the States over in Africa. It's a global fight. It's, it's, it's ground zero it's there. A, it's a global fight. This is a reminder. This is a global fight for the, the lives and the dignity of LGBTQ people. Mm -hmm. For all of us that are rooting for everybody black, that includes black LGBTQ Ugandans. Still ahead. The next time you sit down to eat some chicken, it could taste a little different. Oh, we'll tell you the latest advancements being made to prevent a chicken shortage. I don't know about this one, Soulmate. Stay close. You're watching Fox Soul's Black Report. I just couldn't. We want to welcome you back to Fox Soul's Black Report, a social media showdown in Washington. TikTok executives grilled by Congress, but the company uh, had an unlikely ally. That's right, Courtney. Democratic Representative Jamal Bowman of New York is defending the app, rejecting efforts to ban TikTok as, quote, ill-advised and part of a fear-mongering campaign. He told reporters this week, quote, 
This is a space where these creators have found a platform to share their ideas, their inspirations, their thoughts, their voices with the rest of the country and the rest of the world. And why do we want to take that away? So Rep Bowman is basically saying, look, there is some good here. TikTok is a platform where creators can can get together and share and exchange ideas and and and, uh, you know, uh, ideas and, and inventions and, and things of that nature. And then the other side is saying, but look, you know, it's 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 controlled by, you know, the Chinese, you know, the whole communist thing. And when you, you know, agree to download TikTok, you are basically agreeing for your phone to be cloned in a way that, you know, allows you to totally give up your privacy. It's like giving you the keys to your home. Mm -hmm. And I think that is the U.S. government's uh, concern. Uh, but I also think there's a healthy argument on the other side saying, you know, TikTok has really connected the world and it's become a very powerful platform. We just talked yesterday how a food reviewer uh, allowed for uh, the woman's business to double, triple, yeah. you know, overnight. And so I, I don't know how you come to some sort of middle ground with this. I mean, thank goodness there is a representative on Capitol Hill that's willing to be a contrarian voice mm -hmm. uh, where group think, you know, has not sort of, you know, overcome Washington mm -hmm. on this question of what they're going to do about TikTok. Mm -hmm. I appreciated that the representative said, quotes, there are many apps on our phones right now that are Chinese apps. And so the idea that, oh, TikTok is the boogeyman, it's just part of the political fear mongering that's happening. And so mm -hmm. you've got to wonder, why are we just picking out TikTok, we, right? Because there it's are, the there Chinese, are, but, it's but the pushback. There, but there it. are plenty of other apps that, that, the Chinese, you know, um, that are Chinese made, that mm -hmm. are uh, uh, under the control of, of uh, Chinese leaders. And so why are we just picking out TikTok? Maybe because TikTok is, is the biggest and the most influential. I, yeah. think, I think he makes a point. Supplies for some essential drugs in hospitals are hitting a 10-year low. Now, that's according to the American Society of Health System Pharmacists. Now, the shortages are due to manufacturing delays and quality problems. The experts say drugs to treat patients with cancer have been hit especially hard in recent months, which has now put doctors on high alert. The association says drug shortages are now forcing rationing and pharmacy workarounds. That is scary. Can you imagine that? I cannot. Now we're rationing drugs. I, cannot. I mean, it just seemed, it seemed like just yesterday we were just trying to get, you know, shots in arms of the COVID vaccine. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, I think there's an opportunity for us to really rethink, you know, our public health system, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, our public health system almost collapsed during some of the darkest days of COVID, right? And so, you know, we also should look at, you know, the drug industry and drug manufacturing to make sure that people have what they need, you know, so that, you know, we don't scare people sharing stories like this. This is scary. Or for those who are now in the fight, you know, are they going to continue to have what they need? Or are, 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 is someone going to start a battle with, let's say, something like cancer and, and not have what's needed in order to try to survive it? That is very scary, not only for that patient, uh, but for the family having uh, gone through that. So, um, <laughs> Listen, that's a very scary story there. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Well, the FDA is giving the green light to lab-grown chicken from the Good Meat Company. Mm. Hmm. The agency <laughs> says the chicken is as safe to eat as the real deal. This mm. is the second company mm. that produces lab-grown meat to be approved in the U.S. Good Meat aims to bring its chicken to restaurants and grocery stores. It next needs approval from the USDA. Listen, it, you know, it's not too far-fetched. I think it's because it's, it's, a, it's a meat thing. But if you think about it, you do a little Google, do your search, there are a lot of vegetables you know, that we hold in high regard, that we eat every day, that have that are man-made, where they've, they've taken the seeds and they've done the little cross-pollination and have come up with stuff like tomatoes, apples, broccoli, cauliflower, all that stuff is man-made. Uh, so it's not too far-fetched. And with this chicken shortage, you remember when the, they have any wings? You couldn't find any wings anywhere? <laughs> they couldn't find no bones you know, maybe this in is the Buffalo Wild Wings right. wings. And, and if it's something where you can't tap in, maybe it's, it's time for, for to really consider of being a, becoming a vegan, a well, vegetarian, or something. Well, you know, I, you know, even the, I think labels sometimes throw people off. Mm -hmm. You know, and while you may not be ready to be a vegan, you know, maybe incorporating more plant-based into your diet. I yes. mean, I certainly read stories like 
this, and it makes me want to do, it do that. It makes you cringe. You know, it, it makes you it, cringe. Well, well, it makes me want to adopt more plant-based into my diet because, you know, GMOs and, you know, lab-developed, you know, mm -hmm. meats, you know, um, I think the further we get away from things in their natural form when it comes to what we eat, um, you know, I just don't think there's enough research out there that says yeah. it's safe. It would still be meat, kind of like a lab-grown diamond. It's still a diamond. It just wasn't grown in the in the earth. Just so make sure you, you note that on out the if menu. That thing was for you. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right, moving on here. Foot Locker plans to close 400 of its stores by 2026. These stores represent 10% of the sportswear company sales. Uh, Foot Locker, Kids Foot Locker, and Champs Sports all fall under the shops that are getting cut. Uh, now the company plans to target younger and loyal shoppers with new experimental stores. Company executives say these new concept shops will have a wider range of products. Say it ain't so, you ain't gonna be able to rush to the storefront on a Saturday morning when the new Jordans come out. What? Yeah, and also think about, you know, summer jobs. You know, there's, there's a lot yes. of folks where Foot Locker, Champs, you know, that was, you or know, second maybe jobs. a first job mm -hmm. uh, in high school. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was, encouraged by the idea that uh, Foot Locker is going to open these new format stores mm -hmm. and transform its real estate footprint. And so, you know, I, I feel like this is also a sign of the times. There's a lot of mm -hmm. uh, companies that have decided that they're going to, you know, go remote for at least a certain number of days a week and that it's just not going to be business as usual in terms of pre-pandemic and mm -hmm. so it's going to be neat to see what does Foot Locker yeah. you know do with that real estate you know but for most of the folks most of the you know soulmates it's it's been a tradition you know whether it's been criticized or not about how much we you know look forward to you know getting up early on a Saturday morning rushing to the mall or a storefront you know Foot Locker you know getting in line getting in there to get your get your size try it on, walk around and then walk out the door with a bag of Jordans or whatever you went to go get. I think there's something to that experience uh, and it's unfortunate that that might not happen anymore. I think a lot of people do the online shopping yeah. thing, but it's kind of like a, a, a gamble because I mean, you might know your size, but sometimes you know, those shoes fit different kind of ways and you just want that in-store experience and then to walk out the store with, with your, with your, well, hopefully, with your ho kicks. Well, hopefully they'll keep at least uh, uh, most know. of that experience. Yeah, we'll Maybe see. just a little bit. You will see. Uh-huh. Well, up next, the push to stop hunger for children. Mm -hmm. We'll intro you to one of the women behind No Kid Hungry who will tell us how we can stop childhood hunger. That's all coming up next right here on Fox Souls Black Report. Welcome back to Fox Hills Black Report. Well, a new national poll released by No Kid Hungry reveals middle-income parents surveyed struggle to provide their family for basic needs. And no surprise here, Nicordalai, among middle and low-income parents, more half, more than half did not have enough money to pay for food or rent or mortgage payments. And more than one in three also struggled to pay for health care and child care in the past 12 months. Low-income parents also were the most likely to report being worried about losing pay or losing their job if they had to miss work due to child care issues. And here to discuss the poll and its impact on communities of color is Pamela Taylor, No Kid Hungry Chief Brand Strategy and Communications Officer. Welcome to Fox Souls Black Report. Thank you. Thank you for your time today. Uh, before we discuss that poll, tell us a little about, uh, about the work of No Kid Hungry. Yes, No Kid Hungry is a campaign from Share Our Strength, our national organization and we are working to end childhood hunger all across the country. And we do that by supporting programs like school breakfast and summer meals and advocating for local policies that help children get three meals a day, 365 days a year, and looking at some of those federal policies that uh, promote nutrition programs so that it's easier for families to go to their grocery retailers and put food on the table for their families. What are some of the most compelling findings in the poll, specifically when it comes to black kids? 
So, you know, we've heard for years that families that live in low income communities have been struggling to provide food for their kids, for their households. But this study revealed that we're seeing this now in middle income families. And we know black families span the spectrum. They're in low income communities, middle income communities. And when we start to see this creep into higher income levels, we know that that's widening the number of children who are facing hunger and the number of families who are struggling to put food on their table. We're seeing numbers like 48% of lower income households, 58% of middle income households are struggling to meet the daily needs just to go out and buy food every day. Yeah, and then you, you lay this inflation on top of that. How is it specifically uh, impacting kids and, and their health? So you were just talking a little bit about that, right? Mm -hmm. Mortgage in, have increased. We just saw the Fed today increase rates by a quarter of a point. Rent, utilities, gas, clothing, everything has been impacted mm -hmm. by inflation. But when you put all of that together, families find that they're going to have to either skip meals or parents are skipping meals to make sure their kids can eat. And for families in black communities, that just is an extra layer of stress. And we're also seeing that manifest itself in children and parents' mental health. One thing we know is that children absorb what their parents are experiencing. And when you have kids that are worried about their parents not eating or themselves eating, when they go to school, eager to learn and be with their friends and have a great time, that weight of mental health stress on them impacts their ability to learn, their ability to grow and be healthy, and just their overall well-being. I really appreciate the point you just made about how children absorb uh, what their parents are experiencing. And I'm hoping that you can share you know, some tips, tools, and resources that are out there for some of our parents that are watching. Yeah, that's a great question. So there are many mental health agencies that have resources that are available for parents to talk to their kids about some of the economic stressors that they may be facing as a family. You wanna be able to talk to your children in a way that makes sense to them and makes them feel secure, but understand that we may not be able to get, you know, that extra pair of kicks that you were just talking about with the <laughs> foot lockers closing right. or you know, we may have to cut back on a few things, but the important thing is to make sure you understand what your children are processing. You know, a lot of kids at school are all facing the same thing. What this, mm -hmm. what this survey reveals is that this is not just in low-income communities. We're now seeing this become more widespread. We hear um, stories I saw this morning on the news about how many college kids are dealing with mental health mm. and mental health stressors. So looking at your local communities, uh, mental health agencies at the federal level that can help provide resources on how to talk about the economic stressors and how to better deal with mental health issues that you don't want to see your children you know, carry with them into they're into their childhood or into adulthood. That is not necessarily the work that we do at No Kid Hungry, but this is something that is um, a universal and community-wide effort that we all come together to address the various lanes that we're all in. We're very focused on making sure kids get three meals a day, 365 days a year. We wanna advocate for what do we need today to help families meet those needs, but we're also looking at what do families need tomorrow and forever so that they aren't relying on uh, supplemental nutrition programs and they're able to have the economic security and mobility that they need to start to build wealth and generational poverty. And these are some of the reasons why mental health counseling is so important. And if we can break that cycle then we'll, we will see healthier outcomes mentally, physically, spiritually, all the way around. Indeed, Ms. Taylor, you, you mentioned you know healthy meals and, 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 and what's needed. With these new constraints and considerations in place, especially the challenges now with middle-class uh, blacks to feed their children, 
has has what a healthy meal is uh, has that shifted in any kind of way what would you still consider to be a healthy meal is it three times a day do we need snacks in between break this break that down for us a little bit yeah well for children especially we focus on three meals a day now mm -hmm. what institutes healthy we know culturally for us we have the foods that we like i'm not sure that it's going to be lab-grown chicken but if that's what we're going <laughs> to get right come on now miss taylor come I talk sure about either. it me neither <laughs> <laughs> but you, you, you know, obviously proteins are important mm -hmm. and making sure children are getting the proteins that they need, be it through meat or um, plant-based proteins. We encourage students to have you know, fresh fruits and vegetables. But mm -hmm. if you can't as families access fresh fruits because you might be living in a food desert or you right, might be living right. in a rural community where access to fresh fruits and vegetables aren't as plentiful canned, frozen, dried, any types of fruits and vegetables are considered to be healthy. Then we look at whole grains and beans and legumes and other types of um, healthy carbs that round out a meal. Uh, for those of us that are, are a little bit older and, and, and of a certain age, you know, we're encouraging to, to snack in between the same thing for kids, giving them that opportunity but accessing what you can that is fresh is always the leading factor. And then there are many other options. And if you um, want to come to nokidhungry.org, mm -hmm. we have multiple resources through our Cooking Matters program, which is a nutrition education program that provides multiple recipes. We try to make sure we're sharing things that are culturally mm -hmm. relevant for black and brown families because we know how we like to eat certain foods. Oh, yes. We sure do. We yes. also keep those healthy. <laughs> um, so we provide a number of resources mm -hmm. for families through nokidhungry.org and through our Cooking Matters program. Before we let you go, we want to ask you just real quick, what's the Watch What Three Meals Can Do campaign? In like 30 seconds, uh, what is yes, it? Yes, <laughs> that, is, that is our spring campaign, Watch What Three Can Do children are creative and innovative and energetic but they need the nutrition to make sure they can go out and run track and do dance and do pottery and do stem exercises we want to make sure kids can get those three meals a day and once they get those see what these kids can do they can do miraculous things the power of three is one of our key campaigns for this spring. So thank you for asking about Amen that. Amen to that. Keep up the good work. That's right. Ms. Pam Miller-Taylor, thank you so much for your time today. We appreciate your, your ministry and your efforts. And uh, you're now an official soulmate, so we'll definitely have to uh, have you back and talk more about this uh, cause. Thank Amen you so much. Amen to that, and I am happy to come back at any time. Absolutely. Take care. Thank you again. Thank you. All right, you see it, you know what time it is. Today for Women's Her Story Month, we are celebrating Congressional Black Caucus uh, member Joyce Beatty. Yes, that's right. The former caucus chair has just been named White House liaison to the Democratic Women's Caucus. The congresswoman wrote on her Instagram, quote, I look forward to working with the Biden-Harris administration to ensure that women's voices across the nation are heard in the most powerful halls of Washington. Beatty represents Ohio's third congressional district. She was elected in 2013. Meanwhile, in Dallas, a family was unlocked. They unlocked a new world after their family restored an ancestral cemetery. Now the family is working to preserve their legacy to make sure it's never forgotten again. Let's take a look. This project started three years ago. This was a search that I was looking for my family history. Some cousins of mine that live uh, out there in East Texas, they just told me, they're like, well, we don't have all the answers, but what we do know is we have a cemetery deep in the woods that we need to restore. These are some of the photos that this incredible photographer, Kwesi Yanfel, captured of us restoring the cemetery. What was fascinating about it was there were still tombstones, some that date back to people who were born in the 1800s. At first was one shocked that it was there because I had no idea. Then after the shock emotion, I was sad because you could barely see some of the gravestones and everything that my ancestors now that I've been able to find through the archives have done for us, they didn't deserve to be forgotten in this way. One of my elders, Dr. Billy Curl, 
He was actually one of the first graduates of Abilene Christian University. During this process, he never knew that he was named after his great-grandfather until we found his grave. We were able to match back the names on the gravestones that we found in the cemetery, and we were able to see who was connected to whom, how they were related to our family, how this community was built, and we actually could see history come alive with the cemetery. We were able to find my ancestor, Richard Curl, in the archives and the deed records, and in the same sort of books that he was considered a slave in, two years after he was freed, he started buying property. It was just an honor to know that he built something that we still have a piece of now. I want to make sure that we continue to honor not only them, but those that um, came way before them and the shoulders that we stand on. And this history is so invaluable for us to hold on to because in large part, if we don't reconcile and we don't actually restore these cemeteries, we'll lose this history forever. Oh my goodness, kudos to that young man. It's incredible, that's and, an incredible story. And for that journey that he's choosing to take. Look, we, we all know that, you know, being absent means being present, uh, but, you know, leaving marks here mm -hmm. that say I was here and I did matter. And, and this is what I did. This is where I lived. This, this is the legacy that I left behind that, that my, um, you know, folks, my lineage continues to mm -hmm. live in. That does matter. Yeah. Uh, and that's what grave markers and, and cemeteries mm -hmm. that that uh, that hold our, our ancestors mm -hmm. in. That's what they're all about. And that's why they're important. That's why that what he's doing is just amazing. It is. It is. It is. And it's the history that some folks out there are seeking to bury. Um, you know, but let me just say this. I'm personally inspired, you know, on my mom's side. I have a, a great, 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 great aunt who was enslaved. Mm -hmm. um, Ollie Glover was her name. And you know, I learned from my grandmother before she passed mm -hmm. that uh, this great, 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 great aunt had a cemetery that was named after her mm -hmm. in Macon, Georgia. And mm -hmm. I always wondered, even as a kid, mm -hmm. wow, you know, how does an enslaved person have a cemetery yeah. named after them? In, of all places in the country, in Georgia, and so yeah. we used to make it a thing. To, we used to go out there and clean off the graves and have a little sip, sip, lawn chairs and whatnot. So yeah. it's 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 a it's a thing. All right, coming up, big time movies being made right here in the Motor City, Detroit. That's right. We'll tell you all about the company that's making moves for our community. You're watching Foxhole's Black Report. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Foxhole's Black Report. Well, a University of Maryland professor is teaching a course called Why Are We Still Talking About Race? that mm. uses the animated TV series The Boondocks as a basis for exploring various race-related topics. Now, the course examines whether discussions on race and racism have changed since the show first aired. This was back in 2005 and challenges students to connect the episodes to broader sociological terms and concepts related to race and racism. This class also encourages students to critique the show and its racial commentaries. And the courses uh, use a safe word to ensure a comfortable learning environment and prepare students to discuss race and racism, both in and out of the classroom. I remember when the boondocks hit, it, it, you know, I was uh, in Chicago do, doing my, trying to be grown. And I just remember how riveting and raw and, and really excited people were to, to watch the show. I know it got a lot of criticisms, but I didn't think it was too much more out there than let's say South Park and the craziness that, that South Park came with. I just think it was an issue because it was black issues. And I love that, you know, Regina King was a part of it, voicing a couple of the, of, of the characters. And I just, thought it was so real mm -hmm. in a very cynical sarcastic way but it was really it was it was the truth and and the boondocks was saying things that you know some of us either couldn't yeah. say or wouldn't say and part of the criticism that it got then and still gets now mm -hmm. is because sometimes people are uncomfortable with content that makes them think hmm. makes them think critically about themselves makes them think critically about the world uh, but you know I really like that this class they created a safe word so for whoever in the class may be feeling uncomfortable at any point, right, you know, they have an opportunity to, to regroup, but um, notice how they're not 
editing out the content you know, of boondocks in order to make people feel comfortable. They're creating a learning environment where people can actually express that. Imagine that. Imagine that. All right, so far, no arrests uh, have been made after rapper Tashki69 was uh, attacked inside of a Florida gym. The rapper was bruised and bloodied after a group of men ambushed him in a sauna. None of those injuries were life-threatening. Video leaked of uh, part of the assault. Now, the ambush was posted online, his attackers calling him a rat. Five years ago, the Brooklyn native testified against his former gangmates, the 26-year-old rapper, whose real name is Daniel Hernandez, was rushed to the hospital with injuries to his jaw, ribs, and back. Terrible, terrible. Well, they've been talking about it for years now, but it's finally looking like rush hour Four is actually happening. In a new interview, Chris Tucker said that Rush Hour 4 is on his schedule of upcoming projects. Yay! This is coupled with Jackie Chan's comments from a film festival last December that said that he was gearing up to meet with a director about the upcoming sequel. Tucker said that they were going to see a new sequel just because he loves working with Jackie Chan. Okay, we so love like watching them. This sequel has been in the making or in talks for like 25 years. Like finally, finally, it looks like this thing is gonna happen. Um, I'm hoping that the excitement and the anticipation is still there. It's been a long time yeah. coming, at least with the bad boys. You had it within what, maybe 10 years or so. And now they're gonna come out with another one. So I think you still got the momentum coming. But uh, those were huge, huge movies. And I'm just hoping that the, the anticipation and the interest is still there, I'm thinking. I mean, I think just the key is to make the movie good. If the movie's good, people people will ignore the weight. I well, can think. Jackie Chan kick and rip I mean, and run and flip and dip like that's, he used that's to? A, that's, that's 20 years ago. That's a very good point. You know, uh, Eddie Murphy, when he was filming um, the latest installment of Beverly Hills Cop, mm -hmm. he was saying, look, you know, I'm I in my 60s it. now. I you know, I can't run like I used to. <laughs> yeah. I can't climb like I used to. Uh, and so uh, you're right. It's going to be interesting yeah. to see if, if Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan are, are still flexible. As, as flexible, as agile hmm. as they used to be. Well, family, friends, and fans are now mourning the death of Basketball Hall of Famer Willis Reed, nicknamed the captain. The two-time champ was in the NBA for 10 seasons with the New York Knicks. Reed was named All-NBA time, five-time, and, and made seven All-Star teams. He was also the first player to sweep all three MVP trophies in a single season for the All-Star game, regular season, and NBA Finals. Willis Reed was 80 years old. What a giant. You know, he comes from that Bill Russell uh, generation. Bill Russell was a little bit before him, but, but they were in the league together. He was also named one of the uh, 50 best players in NBA history. So when you go back to that time in, in the game, you know, it wasn't just about dribbling the ball up and down the court. You know, we're talking about the 50s mm -hmm. and the 60s. We're talking about the heart of the civil rights movement. So there was so much more riding on the shoulders of these players. And uh, this particular giant uh, shine bright and uh, sad to see him go. But his legacy will live forever for sure. That's right. That's right. All right. Let the ancestors rejoice. That's right. So Hollywood has been telling Detroit's story for years. But now there's some Detroiters taking back control and telling their story how they see fit. That's right. There's one local film crew that's making things happen. And they're showing us how they get it done. Real love, scene 42A, take two. And action. My name is Ronnie Kirk. I'm a writer, director, producer with Cheddar Boy Films from Detroit, Michigan. The reason why I decided to make Detroit my home base for shooting films is I believe that Detroit is going through a film renaissance of its own. All of these film companies all went through a film renaissance. That's what made Los Angeles capital because they had that 100 plus head start on us. So now Detroit, we're going through our own film renaissance and we're going to be able to elevate and be a part of those conversations with those different cities. From the top guys, and action. What you mean you don't want to talk about it though? Man, listen, you got to talk about it. The Detroit hustle is it's something that you really got to be a part of to really describe. It's the same thing when it came to our, our music scene here. Forget your note, forget your platform. I'm going to create myself, my own. And that's what the Detroit hustle is. Detroiters, we're not waiting for anybody to come give us anything. We're going to take it and we're going to figure it out ourselves. We can't keep living like this. We need to just move. 
saving money and we're living here and we're barely saving any money anyway. Most of my inspiration comes from real life experience. Um, because from my environment, a lot of times people say, you know, your films have a lot of violence and things like that inside of my movies. And there's a reason for that. It's messaging. It's telling you that this is what's going on inside of our communities and we need to make changes. That's the only way we could change what's happening. We can't make it pretty and we can't lie about it. We have to tell the truth about what's happening in our communities. So those that suffer don't have enough faith? My name is LeVon Cisco Green and I'm an actor. Of course, with Detroit and the history of Detroit culture when it comes to African Americans, Motown, that whole sound, that whole wave of music, I see it's the same thing happening again with the film industry. You have a whole team, whole film crews of minorities and black, brown, different race people working towards projects and building. And I can definitely see within the next one to two years a huge, big thing within black film culture in Detroit. I second what that young man is saying. We, it's, it's coming back. We, I mean, Transformers, Superman, Robocop, all of those major films right here in Detroit. And we kind of lost it a bit, but I believe it's gonna come back as well. All right, still ahead on Fox Souls Black Report, our favorite black excellence. That's right, we'll tell you about the new partnership Spelman College is in. With that, we'll benefit tons of black students. You're watching Fox Souls Black Report. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Fox Souls Black Report. Well, Spelman College is partnering with Spotify for a right. podcast culture initiative called Next Gen, designed to foster podcast culture and careers on campuses. This is good. The initiative is supported by the Spotify Creator Equity Fund and will involve the creation of on-campus podcast recording spaces with student-led content and considerations for a Spotify internship program, along with potential academic scholarship. Spellman says it looks forward to collaborating with Spotify with programming that will help further elevate the voices and creative content of their students. Starting spring semester, Spellman will be the first HBCU to offer next-gen programming. Spotify currently partners with the University of Southern California, fight on, oh University goodness. of Pennsylvania, and New York University. All right, from Georgia to Virginia now, where Courtney, love the name, Torin, a high school senior in Suffolk, uh, has been accepted to more than two dozen colleges and universities and received, check this, more than $700,000 in scholarship money. Bravo, Courtney is not only wow. a star student, but is also an all-American cheerleader and serves as the senior class president. She says that being accepted to multiple colleges and receiving hundreds of thousands in scholarship money has, quote, been a very life-changing experience and it makes me feel proud of myself. I bet it does. Courtney has been accepted to, oh, well, you know, Spelman, uh, Salem College, Old Dominion University, Virginia Commonwealth University, and about 20 others, but has decided to attend. Regent University to study psychology. That's Amazing. $700,000 in scholarship money. Look, 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 we've got the talent, we've got the genius, Gosh. you know, we just need that support and that encouragement and, yeah. and she has that in spades and it's great to see her uh, really uh, beginning to soar. And that's also an amazing effort because, you know, you have to individually apply for these scholarships and write paragraphs and, and, and allow them to get to know you and what your what your journey has been. So that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. Good for her. All right. For today's story like that one uh, and more, you can access Fox Souls video on demand on any of our streaming partners like Samsung Plus TV, YouTube, Roku, whole list of them. You can also check out past shows and other Fox content when you visit foxsoul.tv. And don't forget, soulmates, you got to download that Foxo app. It is absolutely free. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Courtney Hicks. And I'm Nicordelai Corte. Until next time, soulmates, be sure to stay lifted. And stay safe. <laughs>